my name. Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a one-with-one horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. Before we get started, if you like what you hear, please consider rating and reviewing us on your favorite podcatcher. It really helps other people find us, and it would mean the world to me. I'm in the process of trying to clean up some of our earlier episodes now that I know a little bit more about editing, so a few of the episodes have been pulled from the queue until I can get the audio to where I want it. If you go back and listen to the earlier episodes and you missed one of the chapters, don't worry, each story stands by itself. The chapter titles are just something I experimented with in the early days if you are not alone. If you'd like to reach out, recommend a game, be a guest, or just say hi, you can email me at youarenotalonepod at gmail.com, or reach out on Twitter at notalone underscore horror. I would love to hear from you. This episode, we are continuing our game of Quietus with Jesse Stanchak, the writer behind at microflashfic on Twitter. Quietus is a game of melancholic horror by Ollie Jeffrey. Quietus is a really amazing game for a GM and one or two players that relishes in the quiet horror of broken people. The system works really well to ramp up the tension both in the personal lives of the characters and in the horror that is trying to kill them. I really recommend you check it out. In our story so far, we met Wayne, an aging con man who owes a lot of money to a bookie named Pete. On his way to work as a security guard for an office building, Wayne runs into Lucky Pete's muscle, who subtly reminds him that he owes Pete a lot of money. While Wayne was getting settled into work in the security office, he is reviewing security cameras and sees Pete standing in the middle of the parking lot, staring at the building. Will Wayne's debt and checkered past catch up to him? Let's find out. And you're flipping through the cameras, and you're flipping through the cameras, and you cut to one of the cameras of like the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And you see Pete. Just standing there, looking at the building. So, so he's in the parking garage, looking at like the wall. In the like in a parking, like an outdoor parking lot. Like I imagine that there's a little a mix of both. Gotcha. Uh, So you've got like a small parking lot. That's where like, yeah, for like deliveries and stuff. Yeah. Okay. And he's standing in that parking lot, just just. Just looking at the building. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't think, like, he's not standing on the edge or anything. It is it is kind of weird. He's just standing, like, in the middle of the parking lot. And, like, it's not a big parking lot. It's mostly empty, but, like, the cleaning crew, their vans are there. And he's just standing in the middle of the parking lot. Looking at the building. Huh. I think Wayne's going to pull out his phone and open up the texting uh, app on it. And he's going to stare at it. Like, I want to say something here, but ooh, what can I say that sounds non-committal? Cause I don't want to actually say to him, Oh yeah, I saw lucky. Cause that, 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 that might put me on the hook for something. Uh, no, 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 no. Maybe I'll, I'll just ask him uh, if he caught the game last night. So I'll start typing that. All right. You uh, you shoot him this text message. Uh-huh. And it goes to, you know, from delivered mm-hmm. to read. And uh, you get the three little dots. 
Mm-hmm. And you get a response uh, that's shockingly friendly. Just like a, haha, yeah, I called it. Good thing you didn't bet, winky face. What's even more disturbing than how nonchalant Pete and Lucky have been mm-hmm. is as you're like looking at this text message coming back to you and you're looking at the monitor, you don't see Lucky move. <sighs> he doesn't pull out his phone. He doesn't read your text message. He doesn't send a response. He just continues to stand there and stare at the building. Uh, what's the angle on that? Oh, no. I think Wayne stares at that for as long as he can physically bear it. And then he flips. I think there's like a physical switch for flipping between uh, different cameras. And he flicks that rapidly, like as fast as he can. uh, And then goes, ah, and throws up his hands and goes, I got, saying, talking to no one in particular, I got to stretch my legs. I've been cooped up too long. Just got to take a walk. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, having dispensed with that negative juju, he uh, picks up his uh, flashlight and he's going to go do do a pass. Maybe he won't get anything up to anything on this go around. He's just going to, you know, do the job, do the job, make sure that everything's safe. That's his job, right? Yeah, just take a, take a little walk. Yeah. And uh, you open the door and it is still pure, pure darkness in this sub-basement. It is, you think for a moment, like, this is the type of dark you want your bedroom to get to. Yeah. Like, the, it's never quite this dark, but if you could get it this dark. Yeah, that'd be nice. Apparently, all I gotta do is uh, build an enormous parking garage and, uh, and break all the lights. Yeah, easy. Simple. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, do you, uh, do you use the flashlight or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you get get these, you know, ropes of light as you pan the flashlight around. And you've you've made this walk enough times that you could get to the elevator without a flashlight. Mm-hmm. But it, it eases the tension a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you get over to the elevator and you hit the up button. Mm-hmm. And the like normal ring yeah. that occurs when you hit the button comes out kind of like croaky and jangly. Ooh. Like maybe whatever is affecting the lights down here might be starting to affect the elevator. Huh. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you make a roll here to see okay. if the elevator comes. All right. So you've got one die. If you want to introduce a scar, you can introduce a scar to gain one die. No, no, I don't think that. This is an uneasy roll, so you can't push it. Yeah. No. Uh, It's a three. All right. So you push the button a couple more times, starting to get kind of impatient. And like the second time you push it, it like has that crackly ding again. And then the third time you push it, the light on the elevator panel just goes out entirely. 
Well, I have something to write in the report for once. Oi. And there are stairs. Yeah? It's a lot of stairs. Yeah, it is a lot of stairs. All right. But we got to we gotta get on with it. We got to get on with it. I can't stay down here. I say to no one in particular, just assuring myself. And uh, you get to the stairwell and you open the door and the lights are on in the stairwell. Mm-hmm. Thank the maker. Mm-hmm. So where are you headed to? I, like, uh, I imagine that there's probably like three levels of parking garage under the building. Yep. So there's like three stories to get to the first floor. Uh-huh. And then the stairs run all the way up to the top floor. Yeah. And I'm, I'm betting for weird architectural reasons that they're actually different stairwells. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll have to get off at the main floor and then go to the, the, the normal person stairwell for, you know, the business. Yeah, that makes sense. That that yeah. seems about right. Uh, so yeah, you can climb the three three flights of stairs to uh, the main floor, mm-hmm. and you exit out. And I think you see like a couple of the cleaning people are working on the lobby. You know, like every other week they uh, they like wax the floors, so they're yeah. doing like a deep clean and waxing. Uh, and so it is very loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wayne is the kind of guy who calls every man on the cleaning staff Julio and every woman on the cleaning staff Maria and never bothers to learn their name. And it doesn't matter if they're Hispanic or not. That's what he calls them. Uh, he thinks that's very funny. And I think that they're too polite. Like they definitely roll their eyes, but they just oh, yeah. kind of nod. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's not subtle. And as you are crossing the lobby to the stairwell that leads up, uh, to the rest of the building, you look out the like front doors, and I I imagine that there's kind of like a standard like double set of doors. So like, there's a set of doors that leads into an entryway, and then a set of doors that leads from the entryway out into the outside for you know wind mm. and weather safety. Sure. Um, and you see standing just outside the set of doors that leads from the kind of like little entryway vestibule to the outside standing on, on the outside of that set of doors is lucky. Mm-hmm. And he's smoking a cigarette and just staring inside with this kind of like mindless gaze, not like he's looking at you, not even like he's looking for you. He's just staring. So I don't know, maybe, maybe this is a role. Maybe it's not. I think Wayne is going to pretend that he did not see that. Okay. He's going to be just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's totally normal. And he's panicking. Absolutely. But he feels like he's had his interaction with Lucky and acknowledging that further, particularly after that weirdness with, with Pete, that is not, that's not going to benefit him. Yeah. I think- so I think that's definitely a role. Okay. I think that this, with the way Wayne is and the way things are going, I think this role might actually be a potential chance for Wayne to increase his hope. Okay. Like, if you succeed at this, like, you're kind of blocking out the thing that is causing you the most dread right yeah. now. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. So this is going to be a tense roll. You can add to it if you want. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I do want to add to it. Okay. I have a one and a four. 
Okay. So the four is going to be a mixed success. Okay. And so to add to it, you can either gain anxiety or work in one of your scars. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Here's a scar. Wayne occasionally steals things and hides them in the building. He uh, sometimes in, in the beginning, he'd like put them in places that, you know, people would never look right. Like uh, above a ceiling tile, for example. Okay. And, but recently he started to feel a little bold and he'll look for like a drawer in somebody's office that has dust on it, that they obviously do not open very often with a lot of old files. And he'll put something in there, you know, and then he'll wait for like, you know, the heat to die down. It might be something that he, uh, you know, shoplifted. It might be something that he stole out of somebody else's office. It could, you know, could come from anywhere, but he'll kind of store it there. And then, you know, after a month or two goes by and nobody's looking for it anymore, then he'll pawn it. And most of these things are fairly benign, you know, like it's, it's a tablet or it's uh, a piece of jewelry or maybe a nice fountain pen, that kind of thing. But one day he actually found a gun and He's not entirely sure where he put it, but he definitely stowed it in the building. So he knows where a weapon is, and he immediately thinks about that. Okay. I like that. Uh, So that gets you the extra die. It introduces the gun uh, that you can potentially find somewhere, and for uh, it'll raise your anxiety by two, but it gives you that gun as a story beat. Okay. And so yeah, you kind of just turn away and like, you know, do that, that kid thing of like, oh, that's not there at all. Yeah. That, that just does not exist. And you kind of start to believe it. Mm-hmm. And you get into the stairwell and you manage to keep your cool. You manage to kind of avoid looking at Lucky while also not even really hinting lucky into the fact that you saw him. Yeah. And I gain another point of dread and you gain uh, one hope. Yay. Yeah. How, how many dread are you up to now? It's uh, got to be quite a good store at this point. Uh, it's actually only three. Oh, okay. That's not that bad. Yeah. For our listeners, dread is the one attribute I have, which I gain occasionally when you roll the dice uh, and I can save up dread and spend it to do very awful things. Oh, but why would you do that? I'm so nice. Why? Wayne, why? Wayne is such a nice guy. <laughs> so, yeah, so you get into the stairwell and you have that itch at the back of your head again. And you realize in this weird sort of way that you did such a good job of blocking out what happened in the lobby that you don't remember lucky at all. And I think that manifests in like, not a realization that this person is just gone, but just that as you kind of like shut the door to the stairwell and take a couple breaths, you don't honest, like, you know that something happened in the lobby that kind of unnerved you. Mm-hmm. but you don't know what it was. 
something happened. It seemed like maybe someone was there. Mm-hmm. I think the way Wayne would respond to that is sort of on two levels. I think at first he would try – he's a person who does a lot of compartmentalizing, okay? You have to if you're going to you know, just you know, live uh, your entire life through lies and blame everything on other people. And I think initially he thinks to himself, huh, I must be getting really good at this. And like for an instant, he's very proud. And then in a way that he is not comfortable with at all, the bottom of that falls out. And he can't quite sell himself on that. You know, this is not a triumph. This is a loss. And it's a little harder to shake than, than he would like to admit. Yeah, it is coming face to face with the, the, the ramifications of a life full of lies is not the easiest thing. No, no. And you remember Pete and you remember that weird video of Pete just staring and you remember texting Pete and you remember all of the times that, you know, Pete has come to call for the money, but in your mind, it's only Pete who has ever come. Mm -hmm. And I think even like there are memories of, like, I think even like when you think back about your walk, like your, your trip to the office, like you remember it as Pete who was waiting for you. Oh, interesting. Okay. So do I feel, do I feel firm about that or do I feel consciously like I'm, I'm clutching it a little bit? I think you probably feel consciously like you're, you're forcing this a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. like at first you're like, but wait, like, you know, I remember someone stopping me and talking to me and I know that it was no matter how nice they were about it. Like, it was about the money you owe. And at first you're like, who was that? And then you're like, it had, it had to be Pete. Like Pete's the only one that's ever come to talk to me about that. Yeah. Yeah. It must've been, must've been, but you're in the stairwell. Yeah. You're taking this walk. You know that there are still some people in the building, so you can't necessarily mm -hmm. get up to your full mischief. Yeah. Um, although you do know that there are plenty, like we're in a building that's got, you know, probably 20, 20, 25 businesses, you know, some businesses have their own floor, some businesses, there's a couple businesses on the same floor. And you know that there are plenty that like people cut out right at 5 p.m. So like, yeah, there are some safe places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think for for right now, may, maybe he's not actually going to end up doing this. I think he's still telling himself that no, no, we're still in like actual work mode until the cleaning people go home. So he'll do what he's supposed to do. What he's supposed to do is go all the way to the top and then like methodically work his way down all the floors back to the basement and then write up a report and then do it again, as opposed to, you know, just messing around for a bunch of hours and then writing a, a report that is just different enough from everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine to be believable. Excellent. So yeah, you head up to the 16th floor mm -hmm. and I think we're going to say... The 16th floor is uh, the McGregor and Stahl Law Firm. And this this building is called the McGregor Building. Mm -hmm. So they're like, they're, they're the kind of flagship of the building. 
And they have the 16th and 15th floor are entirely theirs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so you get up to the 16th floor and you do your walkthrough and that's kind of where the like executive offices are. So there are a bunch of like large, very nice offices. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, all is, all is normal. I think that this is one of the places where like there is still like one junior associate who is still there. And like you're used to that. Mm-hmm. There's usually like one or two people that hang out pretty late night at the law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you walk through and there's a junior associate in like one of the smaller, nice offices. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get to the elevator and the elevator here looks lit up and working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, makes sense. It's a, it's a different elevator system. Yeah. From the, the one in the basement. So. Yeah, yeah. So now that you're on the 16th floor, it is it's going to be a little easier to get around. Yeah. Do you usually do you take the elevator? It seems like uh, I feel like he would normally take the elevator up and the stairs down, but since we did it the other way, uh I think he'll take the elevator down. All right. So you take the elevator down to the 15th floor and the 15th floor is deserted. This is where all of the kind of low-level lawyers work. Mhm. Yeah, scooping out the bullpen. Yep, 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 yep. And again, everything here seems normal. Mm-hmm. And you get down to the 14th floor and the 13th floor and the 12th floor, and all of them are are fine. Um, they Once you get out of the law office, all of the other bu- businesses are completely closed at this point. Mm-hmm. You see cleaning people every now and then, emptying trash and just doing a general clean of the building. It's when you get to the 11th floor. I think maybe this is like a web design firm. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where I, you know, I look at it and I go, how does anybody make a living doing this? This is not a real job. You know, coming from somebody who's never really actually tried to work uh, at anything. Yeah. Yeah. Conceiving of any real job, that's. You have this one strange moment. As you're inspecting the 11th floor, that you know in this building, like the security system's not great. Like you said, like the cameras are grainy. It's hard to make out who's there. You can just tell the presence of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one thing that this building definitely doesn't have is like cameras that move. Yeah. They're fixed angle cameras. But you're walking down the hallway and you hear this creaking sound. And when you look up, you realize that one of the cameras is moving to follow you, uh-huh. catching you in its gaze. Uh huh. I think Wayne would kind of, um, you know, he's, he's definitely freaked out by this, but he's going to kind of test it a little bit. Like, I'm going to walk back up to the point at which, like, the camera's line of view would intersect with the wall, and then, like, walk back across again to see if it follows me. You know, uh, how fast is it? Like, does it track with me perfectly? Can I outrun it? If I wait behind a cubicle wall, what does it do? Like, I'm, I'm going to try to deal, he's going to try to deal with this terror by testing the limits of it. Which I think is where well, that's his comfort zone is testing the limits of things. 
Okay. I think this is going to be a roll. Yeah. So you get one die normally, and then you can introduce a scar or push yourself if you want. No, I think this is this is um, anxious testing of boundaries. I don't. I don't think this is this is something he'd feel the need to push himself on. Okay, and it's a four. Okay, so you start to start to run some tests, mm-hmm. and like the first the first set of tests where you like walk back and walk, stop for a little bit, walk forward, it continues to follow you. Mm-hmm. You do learn that you can outrun it. Like it is, while not normal, it is still bound mm-hmm. by the confines of its own technology. Mm-hmm. And so, like if you run, it continues to follow, but not as quickly as you move past it. Mm-hmm. And you do like when you hide in a cubicle, it stops, and like when you pop back out, it continues to follow you. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And I think he's trying to make up his mind about whose fault this is. Like, did they upgrade the system and not tell him? Because really, that's a dereliction of duty right there. He needs to know what he's working with. And then he starts thinking about the last couple of nights and like, what has he done? What has he not done? And how like in his, he's got like a mental map of where all the blind spots are. And have I done anything recently that I need to be worried about? Because they were they 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 get rid of these things every seven days, so you know we can wait this out. But you know, is there anything I need to like clean up in the meantime? I think that's what he's running the numbers on. That is a fair question. Because if they did upgrade the systems, you don't you don't know where the blind spots are anymore. And that yeah yeah, that, that, I'm I'm suddenly uh, you know thinking about. Um, you know my deal with Jimmy, and uh, whew, this is this is this is seeming less fun. And I'm hoping I'm not going to have to throw him under the bus, but I'm going to have to throw him under the bus. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully, there's nothing I have to pin on him. That would that would be a shame if that faceless partner of yours. Yeah, well, I, I I I feel like Wayne would feel very confident that whenever. That he makes a delineation in his mind between real security checks and messing around. And Wayne only does real security checks. Jimmy's the one who messes around for badging in and out purposes. As far as the system is concerned, on paper, it looks like it's always Jimmy. So he probably takes a little bit of, a little bit of, um, you know, comfort in that, but it's not like all the way convincing, you know? Yeah. There's got to be at least in the back of your mind, like, if they upgraded the system, what if what if other it's things good changed? enough? Yeah, now to tell the difference. Yeah. What if what if they dust for prints? I'm not wearing gloves, you know. Yeah. So yeah, now there's that. That's definitely a thread that he's starting to tug on and feeling very uncomfortable about. I think this is an opportune moment then for me to spend the four points of dread that I now have uh-huh. to increase your despair by one. Yeah, because now that that sense of everything could be coming undone. Mm -hmm. And at the very least, like you're kind of going to feel like you're always being watched now. Yeah. Yeah. And like Wayne is probably trying to tell himself, I don't really need this job. I can, I can get another job anytime I want. He needs this job. He very much needs this job. 
particularly because it pays one and a half times what it's supposed to pay. Yeah. Which is the only way he's been making this whole thing with with uh, Pete skate by as much as it has been, because you know, as far as his wife and employer knows, he only makes X, but you know, that gives him some cushion to work with. And yeah, he really he needs to hang on to that. It is even if you could find another job, it's probably yeah. not going to be as cushy as this one. It's not. It's not. But you know, but on the same by the same token, like he's he's really chafing. So yeah, there's there's some uh, internal conflict there. So yeah, so you make the rest of your rounds, and the rest of this particular set of walkthroughs goes fine. You don't find any other cameras. It's just that one camera. Just that one camera. That's interesting. That seems to be always watching you. Interesting. Well, I've definitely got sort of uh, like a little pin in the map in my mind for floor 11. Yeah. Uh, And what do you do? What do you do after your first walkthrough? Well, because that's a, uh, a professional walkthrough, that's a Wayne walkthrough. That probably takes... We'll say 15 minutes a floor. No, no, it's less than that. It's probably like 10 minutes a floor. So you're probably looking at like a little under three hours. All right. So it's the better part of a, a half of his shift. And then he sits there and goes, ah, and I got there late. I did that. I, I mean, it's probably almost time for his lunch break. And Normally, I would say Wayne usually packs his lunch. His, his wife is a very good cook, and she she always has uh, lots of lots of good leftovers in the fridge. He's usually well cared for there, and you know money is a little tight, so so he doesn't like having to spend extra cash on you know terrible street pizza. But it looks like it might have to be that today. It is probably a street pizza night. Yeah. So yeah, he's gonna go out and. I feel like there are probably, you know, there aren't a lot of options, but like maybe he's got like two, you know, like there's probably like an all night Chinese place and an all night pizza place. And they're probably about the same distance away. And I think he probably has like a moment of indecision. He gets out of the building. Incidentally, this is a thing he's not supposed to do. He's not supposed to leave the building because he is the security guard. And technically, there are two of them, you know, so like on paper, it's all right, but like, this is technically a dereliction of duty. Yeah. Yeah. If you hadn't worked this deal out with Jimmy, one of you could go out and get food while the other yeah. watches. But Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is very much like this is a risk that he has run so many times he no longer processes that it's a risk. It's just what you do. It's just what you do. Exactly. What are you gonna do? Not get lunch? So yeah, he probably stands out there in front of the building with his hand on his hip going, ah. I don't want pizza. Like the, the 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 encounter with Pete the other night probably kind of put him off that a little bit. So I think I think he's going Chinese tonight. All right. So yeah, you go down, you go uh, to this little you know all night all night Chinese place. Mm-hmm. They cater kind of specifically to people in your your line of work. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of buildings that need overnight security guards and mm. overnight cleaners and all of that. So. Not everyone offers late hours, but like a couple of places have decided to capitalize on mm-hmm. the third shift employees. And so you can yeah. get, you know, decent American Chinese food. Mm-hmm. What does uh what does Wayne usually get? Wayne is one of those guys who is 
like he does not have a very good diet at all, right? But if you if you talk to him about nutrition, he's suddenly like one of those people who's like, oh, you got to get enough protein. Like that's the thing you got to get. Like you don't talk to him about fat or salt or cholesterol, but yeah, you don't get enough protein. You're going to feel that the next day. And uh, he has very like weird pseudoscientific ideas about that. So it's beef and broccoli, double beef. It's a good choice. Yeah. Kind of like looking at the broccoli, kind of like, eh, I don't know about that broccoli. But, you know, it, it's it's there for uh, for color and, uh, you know. Yeah. You might eat one or two pieces and remember that. Maybe. Yeah. The texture of steamed broccoli then introduced to a sauce is not yeah. the most pleasant. Nope. So you get your uh, beef and broccoli double beef and you head back to the building and you go to unlock the door. Mm-hmm. And you realize that the door is unlocked. Uh, and again, like I go to my mental Rolodex, whose fault is this? Because it cannot be my fault. No, Maybe? you, you, no, no, you no. are a professional. No, no, you no. You would no. have locked the door when you left. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Julio, he was scurrying around. He didn't get done when he's supposed to get done. And he leaves late and he, he must unlock the door. and. He didn't tell me he was leaving, so how was I to know? And I didn't lock up after him. It's all Julio. And I uh, I, I curse his name and uh, make a point to uh, maybe make some uh, disparaging remarks about the housekeeping staff in my report for the evening. All right. You head back inside. You lock the door. Uh-huh. And, like, really, you were, you were gone for, like, 15 minutes. And so yeah. if someone had left... The door was unlocked for maybe like 10 minutes tops. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's no, fine. It's totally fine. And you go back down to your office. Uh, and when you get off the elevator this time, the lights are back on. Hey, finally a break. In uh, the sub-basement. And you head to the office. And you sit down. And you start eating your beef and broccoli with double beef. Yeah. And it's all right. It's not great. Mm-hmm. But it'll do the trick, and it has plenty of protein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you're eating, something catches your eye. In their kind of unattended state, I think the screens kind of flip through mm-hmm. the cameras. Mm-hmm. And the camera for the sub-basement, and I think maybe there's two. Yeah. One, like, right at the elevator, and then one deeper into the parking area. Mm-hmm. In the sub-basement, you see Pete. And he's pretty far off. Like, he's deep into the sub-basement parking area. But he's standing there. And he's just staring in the direction of the door to the office. Okay. So, I think for a moment, Wayne kind of stops chewing and, like, holds the food in his mouth while he's kind of processing this. Because he has this sort of internal debate with himself about like plausible deniability. Like it's a grainy camera. Could you really be sure it's Pete? Ah. But the more he thinks about this, there's no person it could be that this is a good that this is good news. Like the cleaning people should all be gone. If there's somebody out there, he has to deal with it. So he's gonna kind of put down his lunch and um gonna like feel around inside himself for the most 
authoritative voice he's got. And Wayne is not like in great physical shape. He's not, uh, he's a lover, not a fighter. But he likes to think, like all men do, that if the chips were down, he would be absolutely lethal in a street fight. <laughs> and so he kind of, you know, flexes his his uh like kind of like touch tries to touch his elbows behind his uh back and kind of like twists a little bit to kind of limber up and he's like okay let's let's dance and he puffs out his chest and walks outside and goes flashes the uh the flashlight that he had in the direction of where he believes this figure to be and says halt who goes there <laughs> which is what he believes people in security guard outfits ought to say He's never actually confronted anyone on this job, and this is just like something he's seen in like cartoons. But like in his mind, this is a perfectly logical thing to say. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, so you, with as much bravado as you can, mm -hmm. shout hot who goes there, and you pan your uh, your flashlight over. You don't even need the flashlight. The lights are on again. Mm -hmm. uh, you look over in the direction of where Pete was on the camera, mm -hmm. and no one is there. Yeah. So he is relieved, but he's telling himself he's disappointed. Like, the idea there was he was going to shine the light in somebody's face, and they were going to feel the way he feels, you know? Like, oh, this isn't going the way I expected it to go. And... He feels like he's been denied that that resolution and tells himself that he's disappointed that that person isn't there, even though even he knows that this is a relief. He decides to go back and check the camera again and make sure that maybe it maybe it was a different floor and he wasn't he wasn't being as careful as he ought to be. Uh, he's going to leave the door open, but he's going to go back and he's going to check the camera again. And you go in and you look at the camera and you're like, I, I must have been imagining things. Maybe, you know, the earlier incident got the best of me. And you look on the camera and for the briefest of moments, you're like, oh, like, he's not there. I, I was just imagining this. You realize that the camera you're looking at is the camera for the submasement that's by the elevator. Mm. And you switch it over to the next camera. There he is, standing there, staring at the door. Okay. Okay. No, no. We trained for this. We didn't really train for this, but we trained for this. And and I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. It's not Pete. It's some some guy. And what it's probably Jimmy. This is probably Jimmy having a fucking laugh. No. Mm-mm. And I'm going to barrel out. Uh, Wayne's going to just run out and say, hey, 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 hey. You know, escalating, like really rejoicing in the acoustics of this space, letting himself echo, doing kind of the puffer fish thing and trying to appear as big and menacing as he can. Okay. We're going to make this a roll. Yeah. So you get one die to start. You can either, if you want, this is definitely a tense role, so you can uh, you can push yourself if you want to add anxiety. Yeah, I think he does. I think this is this is a a moment where he would push himself. Like he's he's really he's trying to be the baddest version of himself. We have a three and a five. All right. 
Uh, and then roll one of those dice and divide it by two, and that gets added to your anxiety. Okay. And that is a three. Am I rounding up or down? Uh, you're going to round up. Okay. So that should, if my math is correct, you're at seven anxiety. Okay, yeah. Three the first time, two from uh-huh. the scar, and yep. two from this time. They're getting close, so once yeah. you hit ten anxiety... Yeah. Everything becomes desperate. Yeah. That'll be fun. So yeah, so you run out and you are escalating as best you can because you know like someone's out there. The camera is showing someone out there. And you rush out and there is still no one out there. But I think like you are you are so you are gung-ho and barreling out there as fast as you can Uh that there is something maybe like what like uh like one of those low stone dividers Mm -hmm. to stop you from hitting the car in front of you Uh uh-huh and you like you trip right over it Uh. and you find yourself kind of on your hands and knees in the area where you think pete would be by what the camera is showing okay and what what is an item that Pete always has with him? Oh, let's see. I think Pete has Pete's probably one of those guys who read a a long time ago that, you know, civilization is going to collapse, right? And there is going to be this great reckoning, right? Uh, not in like a religious sense. It's not like a rapture thing, but like there's going to be a calamity, okay? And the people that get out are going to be the smart ones. They're going to be the ones that are prepared. And he's got this weird little kit that it's about – maybe it's literally an Altoid box, but it's packed with like, like in a surgical fashion, like a distressing amount of stuff is in this box that – are the, I, I can't stress enough. Nothing that is in this box will be useful to him in any way. <laughs> like this is not me trying to like work in a scar. This is just like the way his mind works. He uh, there's like a needle and thread to sew up. You know that's uh, that cut that you're definitely going to get because you definitely know how to sew up a wound. And there's uh you know forty dollars in cash, and there's some gauze, and there's a battery, just one battery for who knows why. <laughs> Stuff like that, that like in like someone's fever dream of an, you know, uh, an apocalypse, these are the things you're going to need. And he like, he didn't put this together. He bought it online and he carries this religiously with him. And it's part of his whole, I'm always one step ahead thing. Like it's, it's real value to him is that it's like a, um, like a, like Linus's security blanket, you know? Okay. Everything's going to be okay because I've got this magical pack filled with everything I'm ever going to need. I like that. So yeah, so you trip and fall and you're on your hands and knees Uh and you see this little Altoid tin that Pete always carries on him Mm -hmm. sitting there in the middle of this garage. Mm -hmm. Like it fell out of my pocket? Oh no, sorry. This was something that Pete, Pete the bookie. Oh, I I misunderstood this. I thought this was going to be like a thing that you'd, you'd asked about Wayne. Sorry. I'm too deep in the fiction. <laughs> but you know, no, that's fine. This is, maybe this is, okay, we'll, we'll retcon this a little bit. Pete is the one that told Wayne all this, and he showed him this kid and was like, okay. yeah, 
no, no. You got to get one of these. And when the stuff hits the fan, you're going to be ready. I like that. And maybe when has one, but he doesn't carry it. Maybe he means to get one, but he hasn't gotten around to it yet. But yeah, okay. Pete has one of those. And yeah, he sees it on the ground. Okay. And I think for like a split second, Wayne will try to say out loud, oh, no, 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 that can't. That can't be. But like he's walking toward it as he's saying this. Like he can't talk himself out of it. He has to know if that's actually Pete's case or if it's just an Alcoid box because Alcoids are delicious and curiously strong and who doesn't love them? Yeah. I mean, it could, it could just be someone else's Alcoid can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And isn't it better to know? Isn't it better to know? Isn't it? Isn't it? Ah, that's so, a good question. I suppose yeah. that really depends on who you ask. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's totally going to open that. He opens it up and it is, it, I, I mean, it could also just be someone else who believes that the world is going to come to an end, uh-huh. uh, but it is definitely a survival case. It's got that single battery. Uh-huh. It's got, very well folded uh, $40 bills. It's got one of those like ultra tightly packed ponchos. Yeah. You'll never be able to repack this thing. Never. Yeah. It's like an inch, an inch (laughs) by an inch square. Yeah. Wrapped. And then after that, it is just a poncho. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is, this is one of those things you can only use once, but yeah. And I look at this and, uh, Wow, that, that, that this feels this this is like the first time I think Wayne feels genuinely worried. Like this is this is something he can't explain away. It's too specific. It is very specific, and there is you do notice in this, in addition to like all of the survival stuff, there is this little like square of paper that's folded up that looks like it has writing on it. <sighs> Um, you can't quite make it out because it's folded to fit into this case. Okay, I'm going to take it back into the office with me. Okay. Yeah, he's going to take it back in, and he's going to dump the entire thing out. Just because, hey, you never know. Maybe, maybe, the, hey, he said there was $40 in here. I could use $40. It's true. You got you got 40 bucks. Yeah, so he's going to dump the whole thing out, and he'll he'll pick up the note and read it. When you unfold the note and look at it, it is a list of debts. And you see a bunch of names. You see some names you recognize. Uh You very obviously see your name with a number after it that seems even bigger than you remember. Yeah, no, it couldn't be that big. And you notice that there are certain names are just there with the number after them. But like some names are underlined. Some names are underlined and circled. Mm. And some names are underlined, circled, and then crossed off. And you see that your name is underlined and circled. Interesting. You don't necessarily know what that means, but you would think it probably is not great. <laughs> Thank you to Jesse Stanchek for joining me to play Quietus. Thank you to Ali Jeffrey for designing such a cool game. And thank you to you for listening. 
You should definitely check out Jesse on Twitter at microflashfic, where he is on hiatus right now, but generally publishes three microflashfiction stories a day that are all really amazing. If you like the game, you can pick Quietus up at DriveThruRPG or at SinisterBeard.com. Our theme song is Everybody Knows My Name by Harley Poe. Thank you to Joe Whiteford for letting us use it. Join us on September 23rd for the conclusion of Quietus with Jesse Stanchek. And until then, remember that you are strong. You are beautiful. And you are not alone. <laughs> Pray to God.